Is he? Yeah. All right. I'm not live. Yes, you are live. I don't see myself. Oh, yeah, you're on a different desktop. Oh, you're okay. not going to see well, yourself. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. Sorry about that, everybody. I can't see my cue. Thanks, Lou. All right. Good morning. Welcome to your daily game phase. I can help I'm you Dr. if you want to do it. What? I can help you if you want to do it. I can okay, help you get you're there. talking over me. I know. As usual. Good morning. Welcome to your daily game face. It's the 11th of May. Let me get at least the date out and whatever because, oh, you're talking over me. Lou, we're going to have to have therapy about this. All right, I'm in. We're running late because you did something. We're running late for a couple of different reasons. Why? Not all of which are mine. Uh, what? <laughs> I was on time. Yes, but we had... We have the dog, the facility then, but now no one can see the dog. Yeah, and he's he's walking around on the desk. All right. So good morning, everybody. And I have Rocky, which you can't see Rocky because this is this is uh, we're coming to the end of the babysitting. Okay. Yeah. He, at noon, right? Right after the yeah, show, he goes super back. Super cute. He's super cute. He'll be excited to see his owner again. He what? He'll be excited to see his owner again. Yes, he will. I think so. Mm -hmm. And he'll miss me. He's, he's very connected to me. Oh. <laughs> He'll miss me and then he's biting my hand. He's teething a little yep. bit. So we're, we're oh, doing the biting of the hand thing. He's got a very raspy kind of bark too. The bark's like that. Too. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, so how was your week? It was okay. Good, good. So I'm, so I'm just looking at my screen. Am I not going to see anything on my screen at all fix for it? comments? Or... Do you want me to fix it or do you want me to talk you through fixing it? or No. I don't want to be doing that during the show, but you that's okay. Even, okay. Okay. We're sorry. We're chewing. If you hear that noise, it's because he's <laughs> chewing my hand. Yep. So my hand should be disgusting. By because the I show. started the original broadcast and then I ended it because I didn't wait long enough to click the next button. So we set up a whole new broadcast, which is why you don't have it on your desk. Okay. So am I going to see comments? I put them on the screen. For, oh, you can't see the screens. <laughs> No, you're not see so this is a fabulous day. So anyway, well, anyway, so but I can go in in 15 so seconds. Still, I can get it set up. It forget it. Okay, it's still May, mm -hmm. and therefore, what is May's month? Mental Health Awareness Month. That's right. Um, amongst a million other things, of it's every day is some national blah 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 day. Well, so, not to mention Mother's Day. And, and well, yes, yeah. but I mean, yeah. you know, there's like a special moment every day, like National Chocolate yeah. Day and National. Like take your dog to work day. <laughs> Both of which are mental health awareness factors. Yes, they are. Um, but I, there's it's almost like there's a new thing out there that like every day is like a national oh, something yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and there was National Ovarian Day on Mother's Day is Ovarian Cancer Day. So um, to my friend out there in in listening land who has ovarian cancer and we're mm -hmm. all pulling for her mm -hmm. um, and she's doing her treatments and so on and so forth. Susan, you know, we have good vibes out there for you. So that was on Mother's Day. Um, anyway, so we are still going forward with, with new topics on um, Mental Health Awareness Month. So I last week I got caught off into this abyss of talking about a variety of things because we started off talking about using animals for animal therapy and right. how amazing they are for animal support and and what they bring to your lives and so on and so forth that actually spawned a whole bunch of people reaching out to me for um getting in touch with ironstone farm for equestrian work and um being in uh the different there's 
God, there's so many different places in Massachusetts alone for getting that. Yep. And then for goat therapy and, <laughs> you know, cause you can do goat yoga. Yep. So, but most of the farms, so there was, I did a little extra research for people because lots of people reached out like over a dozen people and wanted to know. So I did some research for people. So there are lots of farms that have like the petting zoo areas that actually allow for you to go in and do work there as volunteer and it's therapeutic and they also have therapeutic programs with like the bunnies and the goats and the llamas. I'm not sure about working with llamas cause they tend to spit at you. Yep. I've been spit at before at the Australia zoo in Sydney. So, you know, whatever you want to do, you right. can work with animals, but there's lots of farms around here, especially out in the Western part of Massachusetts. Um, certainly in New Hampshire, there's, I found a whole bunch in Maine, um, Connecticut. There were a few, not as many that I found, um, Rhode Island. I didn't find as many, uh, New York, upper New York state has them. So in this catchment area, if you're looking for people to, to, um, help you out with some kind of equestrian therapy or doggy therapy or whatever it's out there. So just do like a Google search on it. And if you're looking to get your kids involved, if you have someone on the autistic spectrum, like with Asperger's or even the autistic spectrum disorder on any of the spectrum pieces, it's great for that veterans with PTSD. Um, there's some amazing programs just locally for that. And you could, and you find those all over the country. Um, there's pop-up I want to say they pop up, but there's a whole bunch of therapeutic programs that have come up as a way of helping out veterans who aren't getting the services that mm -hmm. they need within the veteran system um, and can't get outside therapy fast enough. Cause as you know, there's a huge backup in yeah. the therapeutic world. Um, and also the, the VA itself is backed up. So um, I know that there's a lot of suicide awareness. Uh, I feel like that's not just a month, it's all the time is because there's so many um, veterans who have suicide issues and suicidal ideation. Um, you know, these programs are super helpful for that and they give a sense of purpose in life. And hello, oh, he gave me kisses. Oh, he gave me kisses. I engage is great though, if you're just looking for a place locally. For what? I engage is great, a great place to Iron volunteer. Stone or Iron Stone. Stone. Iron Stone in, in Andover. Oh, no, yes. Andover. So there's, they're super. They're, yep. they're very good. And then there's the farm, which now has a different name in Tewksbury. That's an actual, that's just down the street. So, so for people that are local, they both do veterans, kids, um, and anybody in between. And you don't have to actually know how to ride a horse. You, you can go in and pet the horses. You can walk them. You can not do anything with the horses. You can just be near them and clean their stalls. It, it just about being in the space with them. Um, and it was so weird because I did all that show last week and, you know, I teach at the college and, um, one of my students had to do a presentation. Well, they all had to do a presentation, but it was on interpersonal connecting and addiction work and they did equine therapy. Oh, so it was really great. So nice. yeah. um, they had already done it before they knew that I was doing the show. So they had heard the show and then they're like, Oh my gosh. So, and I didn't know what they were doing. So um, super, super important for people to know that those resources are out there and you don't have to have a mental health disorder per se to get out there and do that. Um, so He's chewing on my finger really hard. Wow. Well. <laughs> okay. We're not doing that. So, so moving along. So we've done cardiovascular health and we've done some animal therapy and we started talking last week about also some sugar stuff and how it impacts. And right. we already, we always do like nutritional therapy and how it impacts your, your brain and all those things. But there's some specific the mind gut connection, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and there's some specific disorders. I use that loosely. If you can see me disorders in my air quotes that people kind of, kind of glom onto that they use colloquially every day, you know, like I'm so depressed. I have so much anxiety. Yeah. You're bipolar. So, 
that comes up a lot in terms of people misusing the names of things. And so I thought I would bring, you know, some normalcy to what these things really are and instead of just people throwing them around right. and also talking about like differentiating between some things that, you know, are mistakenly thought as one thing, but in fact, there are other things um, or it can be a combination of both because you can have them in our field, we call them differential diagnosis. Like yep. you can have one and the other, but they can present differently. And then a lot of times mental health issues present exactly the same way, but because they have one or two features that are a little bit different, that's what makes them go in one direction of the tree versus the other. So um, people who say, oh, I'm so depressed, for instance, um, pretty much most of the time when someone says that, they're not depressed in the true clinical sense. Right. They're more like that kind of bluesy blah, like kind of having a bad day. They're down or they're having like maybe a pity party and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's moments, right? So those moments don't, in, those moments don't make someone be depressed. Um, if a person has a, a certain amount of time and over time they have uh, a feeling of downness, lack of motivation, sleep issues, mm -hmm. um, having senses of shame and guilt. And there's a whole bunch of things that go with it and a specific amount of time, you know, four weeks, for instance. Then we start looking at actually a clinical diagnosis per se in like the depressive realm. But if you have like a couple days a week where, you know, it's been a bad week because something happened, that doesn't make you be depressed. But people just use it colloquially, like I'm so depressed today. Um, I always tell a story about like when someone... Uh, when someone was saying, uh, oh, my, somebody, somebody spilled, I don't want to give too many details, but somebody spilled like a very nice little glass of red wine on a very expensive rug, like a $50,000 rug. Wow. I think I've told you this story before. Yeah. And, and their whole thing was, I'm so depressed. And then, you know, it's like, well, that's a first world problem. You have a $50,000 rug, you know, so yeah. it's a, if you have a $50,000 rug and you spill a glass of red wine, it's very easy for you to get it cleaned. But that was the use of the word, I'm so depressed. Yeah. And it's an inaccurate use. And I get it. And, you know, it's more like I'm so upset that I got right. this stain on my rug versus I'm so depressed. So depression is, it's like a spectrum. They're all on, the, on a continuum, not to be confused with the spectrum of like Asperger's and right. autism, but it's on a continuum. So like really mild kind of bluesy blah days you know, there's melancholy, you're sort of melancholic, or you have what we call dysthymia. Um, it's not a full-blown depression. It's just kind of like that mood of being low and down, and it doesn't last as long, and it kind of comes and goes. Then you're more dysthymic, right? But when you get up into having a month long or more, and you go into more and more months of having, you know, can't get out of bed and all those things that are really severe, that's a major depressive disorder. And and so there's that continuum. So when you use that word. Some level of dysfunction has to be involved, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. It's the level of impairment of your functionality. So you have like mild, moderate, severe, and then you have in remission, right? So if you're fully, if you're fully depressed, it's, it, it's usually typically pretty moderate to severe when it gets to that point. Um, and, and it's, uh, not the same thing as like kind of having like an off day here or there right. it's down. And so that's a huge differential. And so people it'd be great if people could change their way that they use the language about that. So moving along, unless we have that's, questions. Um, um, a lot of that, I tell for that is around sleep, right? Because say more. 
In other words, usually when you're severe, moderately to severely depressed, you are centered around sleep. In right. fact, you well, spend a lot of time just trying to manage your way till you can fall asleep again. Yes. Well, so yeah. so sleep is a big part of depression because people sort of check out. And it's not necessarily because they're tired, but because their body lacks the motivation and the and the the limbic system, the emotional center of the brain and the endocrine system, your hormonal system sort of gets into this funk because there is a chemical imbalance, so to speak. That's the other colloquial mm -hmm. thing. Oh, you're chemically imbalanced. It's because the chemical in your brain that manages your mood, more than one, but a couple main ones like serotonin, norepinephrine, um, GABA, dopamine, your pleasure center, they all get a little bit dysregulated. And the more dysregulated they are, the more likely you're going to have that problem. And then the more you sleep, the more dysregulated they get. And so it perpetuates and perpetuates in a vicious cycle to get to that point where you're kind of like, I can't move. And then you get sedentary and it's very hard to, to move. So oftentimes when we see someone that's moderate or, or full on depression, if someone's full on depressed, it's a fake it till you make it kind of thing. It's like, you've got to, you've got to force yourself to move mm -hmm. and to not sleep. And so what we do, or I do with my clients is I get them into a very regimented structure just initially for like a couple of weeks and really push them on just getting up, moving, like staying on that so that their body starts to get more of the chemicals moving so that when they sleep, they're not down regulating and just being in the step in this dormancy stage of like doing nothing. Exercising and activity can be key to this, right? So exercise yeah. is your number one medication for depression and anxiety. It just is. Um, you could take as much antidepressant as you want, and certainly that will do something. But by and large, fixing your body and your mind and your health overall on your own by by utilizing exercise is going to be your number. And and for some people, not only exercise, but getting outside and getting sunlight and fresh air, yeah. that changes the brain chemistry tremendously to get you moving forward. Um, so, and that's both for depression and, and anxiety. Uh, um, now, um, depression and rumination are at least linked. Are they... Do they, do they always exist together? Because sleep usually represents an escapism from rumination too, right? Um, so rumination is a feature. I shouldn't say a feature. Rumination becomes part of what keeps people in their depression yeah. because they become either reminiscing of the past or things that have gone poorly and the negativity and the toxicity of the thought process and the narrative and the thought part of the brain leads to a more disturbed, more psychotic feeling for some mm -hmm. people. Um, and Which I say draws a physiological response. It, it draws on the physiological response. Yeah. And when I'm going back to just that psychotic feeling, I'm not saying full-blown psychosis, like someone's talking to themselves. I'm using the word psychotic in the way that it becomes, there's a delusional system that's so misperceiving. It sort of teeters on the edge of like, not being realistic, rational, and reasonable. So therefore it has that feature of it. So it's not like someone who's schizophrenic, who hears God or sees leprechauns and trees. Like I've told you about my client that had that. It's more that delusional process and the belief system that comes into place of, of helplessness, hopelessness, feeling so yeah. lacking. Whatever the problem is becomes overly dominant in your reality. 
Right. Yeah. Right. And then, and then the rumination, like you were just talking about, the rumination becomes automatic. Yep. It's almost like they don't have control over it because it's so intense. Now, oftentimes. But people, that's rumination, right? That is, that you is rumination. No control over right. where your focus is. Yeah. Right. And, but so through cognitive behavioral therapy, not medication, through cognitive behavioral therapy, you can actually change that around, which is, that's how you help it, you know, help mm -hmm. get out of that funk in addition to exercise. Now, our society as a whole goes right to let's just throw like Zoloft, Zoloft and Prozac and Paxil and right. stuff like that at it. Um, that, that, you know, those are SSRIs. Those are serotonin, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They help manage, <laughs> they help manage symptoms um, and they help lift the mood what it does is it regulates in some de degree not fully but it regulates the serotonin levels of the brain to be more in line with where they should be at baseline the whole thing about what i can say about that is the more exercise you do if you are on an ssri you know like um those things i just mentioned that exercise will help boost it um, the 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 efficacy the efficiency of a medication and the whole point of medication like that is not to be on it lifelong right. the whole point of medication for people who struggle is to be on it for x amount of time you it's, know it's a jump start it's a jump start yeah. so that you have the ability to learn the tools that you haven't had in your in your toolbox and in your brain and changing your narrative and your neural pathways to then be able to move yourself forward and then come off the medication knowing that those are in place. Now that's the theory and the way that we know that this is supposed to work. One of the problems, you know, as I always talk about, one of the problems is medication then becomes a crutch for many people because we're instant gratified society and yep. we want it fast and we want to have it and we don't want to do the work. And then it becomes, you know, people are on these medications for years and years and years and you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that come with taking medications like this. Um, you know, any SSRI you're taking in that family, you know, causes um, gastrointestinal things. You have a dehydration a lot. So you have to drink a lot of water. A lot of people don't, um, which leads to really bad breath. So if you ever see someone and they're talking right at you and they have really bad breath, either they have gingivitis or they're probably on an SSRI because they're not drinking enough water. Yep. Um, or something's off in their diet because of it. Um, but the whole point of, of treating any of the mental health issues that are, that are um, not organic per se, like schizophrenia right. or bipolar disorder is to really be able to get a sense of mind body awareness so that you can actually regulate to baseline your serotonin levels or your GABA, which is your anxiety neurotransmitter or your dopamine, your feel good one, you know, for pleasure through good nutrition, sleeping and exercise. So if you have good nutrition, good sleep or fair sleep, and then you act and you have exercise, you're able to regulate that better. If you now here's an interesting thing. So I have clients that have 
that they now have gotten all those things into place, but they still have really bad anxiety, right? So it's moved them a little bit, but then they, you know, they're still ruminating in their head about all the worries, about worry, about worry. So we call them meta worriers. Yep. And when you're a meta worrier and you're always doing, well, what if this and what if that? And you're doing that at night because nighttime is when most people start to have these things happen, and which is why the sleep cycle gets disturbed. When the extra stimulus is tones down. Because, yeah. right, all the things that you were doing during the day that were distractors right. are now over and now you have time to think about all these things that have no reality base usually. They're all the things of like, well, you're planning out the, all the outcomes that could possibly happen and projecting out all those fears. And what happens is this that- This is why people struggle to sleep oftentimes. Right. Because, and so you yeah. get, so then you get sleep disorders. So that's, you know, you get insomnia, you get hypersomnia, you get, um, you know, just the the- there's it's just a variety of things again on a continuum of sleep issues and that creates more of a problem with anxiety and with depression the lack of sleep the next day will make a person more agitated which will make their anxiety more likely to be higher and their depression to come in because they play off of each other let me oversimplify it if i can you can yeah. correct me why uh, am i being too am i being no too, oh. no not at all i just i'm, I'm i want to i want to vet my thoughts about this okay uh so we're talking non-biological issues right if yes well there's some biological so the, to clarify there are some biological pieces to some of these things well but yes but yes if you have something that isn't sourced in biology right what happens is your thoughts turn right. them into biological problems right that's usually a degree of rumination right. and the role of therapy at that point is because people i think too often confuse their thoughts with their words yes and the whole idea of processing is taking thoughts and putting it to words because oftentimes that calm you realize the unreasonableness of your thoughts while you're trying to express them either in writing or in speech. Right. That's, that's the whole idea of processing. Isn't well, you would, right. or you would a large hope part that of processing. the person would find that they're on, because yeah. usually that's what it is. It's because how many times have you talked to a patient and in the middle of them talking, you're giving you an answer. They say, you know, I'm just thinking now because they're trying to express it in words and they get a whole new perspective yep. on the thoughts that they're dealing with. Happens all the time. Yeah almost daily yeah that whole process of putting it into words helps um calm that down or uh, because we think our thoughts and our words are the same right. and they're not our right. thoughts are vague and when we try to put them into words we we test the reality of it exactly yeah. and 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 that's and that's a that's why journaling is so good and people yeah. don't like to journal right so when you don't like to journal then you don't have a place to really move and put your thoughts so if you're not going to do journaling you got to process it somewhere. And if you're only processing it over and over again with like a self-selected audience that is going to hear you and, and, and do the same with you or collude with you or right. perpetuate it, then you're not processing. That's what the great thing about going to psychiatrists and psychologists is, is that you have the ability to get a outside perspective so that you can actually make your aha moments to move yourself or have them help you move yourself because that's what happens. It gets you away from, your thought becoming the feeling that perpetuates into the same behavior that you've been doing over right. and over and over again. Um, you know, a thought about being depressed, for instance, I'm so depressed yeah. and I never can get out of it. it makes me feel worse. Makes right. me feel like I'm stuck. Makes me feel helpless. Makes me feel hopeless. Well, all that does and, is wrap back around and make And it feel... starts biological confirmation of that. Right. Yeah. And so it sets up your neural biological confirmation in your head that true, mm -hmm. this is true. Yeah. So it becomes the reality when in fact, it's not realistic, reasonable or rational. 
to keep thinking that way because that's a loop that you can undo. Right. So anything you could anything you've learned, you can unlearn and relearn something new. It's a matter of do you have the patience, the tolerance, and the want, not will, it's want mm -hmm. to to change it. And and many people will say, I want it. No one wants to feel crappy. No one wants right. to feel bad. No one wants to be in addiction. No one wants to feel anxious. However, it's how bad do you want it? And how painful is it in the moment of the thing that you're addiction, yep. depression? How bad is it in terms of emotional pain and causing you functional impairment? Because that's what gets a person to change. That's a, when a person will decide to implement a, a real therapeutic um, intervention is when the pain becomes great enough, the person will change. I remember saying a meme was... Uh... Uh, at the point where the fear of staying the same is greater than the fear of changing. That's mm -hmm. when the magic happens. Exactly. And it's about the equation of what, what do you want more? Do you right. want to be healthier more? Or do you want to deal? Because there's work and pain involved in dealing with it sometimes. And, so you avoid that with just staying in the feeling. Right. So, yeah. yes. So, for instance, I had a client that I've been working with for a while now that uh, yesterday he was in. And we were talking about he he continues to ruminate. So this is perfect, right? He continues to ruminate about he's 70 years old and he wants, he, he beats himself up that he didn't do the process that he's been doing with me for the past year and a half, that he didn't do it sooner and earlier. And he feels, yeah. he feels bad about, so he beats himself up over the process that he's actually doing now. Right. Yep. And, um, you see how cute that was. No, I didn't. Oh, you can't it's see below what my, just did. Yeah. Um, so he, He's so cute. I can't help it. I just got distracted. Dogs don't ruminate. <laughs> no, dogs just make you feel really good. Yeah. Um, so he's so at seven years old, he's beating himself up over that. So he's ruminating about that. But also, I I said to him yesterday, finally, I said, your thoughts, because he wants to go back in the past over and over again, back to childhood, because he thinks and believes that if he figures out what happened in childhood, which we've already established what happened in childhood. Yeah. But if somehow he can keep ruminating about that, he thinks that that's going to fix it. And that yesterday I point blank just said, you have to let go of undoing the past. Yeah. You have to let go of the hope that you can because it's keeping you stuck in this rumination field. And he said, well, I think I'm afraid. He finally made that connection. I think I'm afraid to let go because what if it's not that or what if? And I said, oh, so you're fearing that maybe it's something else. So if you hold on to what you've been ruminating about, at least you have something. And, yep. may, and so I said, what is the possibility that maybe there's nothing left to ruminate about? And therefore, if you just let yourself go ahead and be present and free, yep. it would be better. And there was this long pause <laughs> <clears throat> because he, it, it, well, because it registered with him. But then at the end, he was like, I think his words, and I'm truncating the sentences, but it was, it, that's scary. Scary. And, yes. And I said, why is it scary? And he said, because it's, for, so foreign and it he said it felt like essentially letting go of who he is yeah to relinquish it to something he doesn't know and someone he does it wouldn't know and that's scary to him so people don't like change gives Nobody himself does. something else to ruminate too why did if i'd let go earlier i'd have been happier right. sooner <laughs> right right well he hasn't gotten there yet so yeah. we're not gonna put that yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna put that out in the world thanks yeah. Lowen. oh i hope he's not listening but yeah, anyway yeah. um but maybe that is good. But for that's the trap. The, yes. The whole the um and 
people roll their eyes. I love these things, but they're you roll your eyes and you hear them so often in the cliches because they're true. Right. You're living in the past. There's no winning living in the past. Right. That, that is essentially rumination because the past doesn't exist anymore. Right. It, it only exists in your head and in your thoughts. Right. And, and if, and if you, so for like, for depression and anxiety, especially those disorders or mm -hmm. even just touches of them, you know, everyone has a little bit of everything, right? Well, depression and another meme, I'm doing this through memes now, but another meme is depression is, is worrying about the past and anxiety is worrying about the future. Right. The, the, exactly. They're present, they're present states of mind. It's whether you're present in the present or you're present in the past or you're present in the future. Right. So, so being actually in the here and now, which is, um, if anyone out there is listening and wants to read some really good stuff on being present in the here and now that keeps you grounded, sometimes it's a real hard read for some people, but I think he's amazing. But Eckhart Tolle yep. um, has written some amazing work on this and really getting centered to be present. Um, we're trained in society and not just in the United States, you know, Western culture is trained to be much more about like, talking about the present, uh, talking about the past and, and the future instead of, you know, yeah, you can talk about the past, but get in the present. Right. Because from the know, context of the present, I mean, look at yeah. how many, like, if you think social context of families, right. How much they perpetuate illness in around mental health issues. When, when you talk about, when you get together, no one talks about what is going on right now. Right. They sit down and go, do you know who died? Do you know that that person, like, it's always about, something that's already happened. So, or remember when and the undercurrent is a fight that happened 20 years ago. Right. Or, yeah. you know, remember, remember that person you went to school with? I always love that. Yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> I do not. I know. And I'm like, mm, nope. And nor do I care, you know, not being mean, but I just don't, I, I'm not in that space. So I don't go back. That's why I don't do high school reunions. No. I don't, no. cause it's a, that's, it's a, if I, Kind of like if I wanted to be friends with you on Facebook, I would have put you on Facebook. I don't want to all of a sudden right. find you and be friends. I want to be friends with people who I want in my present life. Not, I'm not going to go scouring to find someone that I was friends with in ninth grade, right? To, because that's not necessary, you know. And it's and it's if that was the case, it's not. It, that's not how history is, anyways. If we didn't have social media, if we didn't have all those things, we typically lose touch with people over time that we grew up with because we grow. We get wisdom over time. We grow into something else and adults go into their own di directions and find new people. Um, social media brings us back to the past. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a really bad thing. And I think that that's one of the downsides because it contributes, which is why this is one of the, as the aspects of social media that contributes to people's mental health issues. One of the many. Uh, one of the many because... Yeah that aspect of being online and seeing some people that you probably shouldn't be friends with online um, brings you into that mode. Um, and it's, and it's, it, you know, people feel guilty. I actually just recently axed a whole bunch of people off my social media just because of this reason I was right. like, and the only reason why I was holding on to it and debating over the past couple of years, and I'm still actively like deleting is because I'm like, uh, you know, it's just cause I, I know that, you know, it's, it has a social stigma that you got unfriended by yep. somebody or blocked yep. by somebody. It makes a statement that you're not making. Right. To many it's, people, it's it makes like, a it's statement. Not, it's not like yeah. personal. It's just more like, I, I just don't talk to you. The power of the present for me, I always try to express it to people as I challenge you to think of your, your two or three most happy moments, your happiest moments in your life. Right. You were present. 
the right. whole the main characteristic of all those moments that you cherish in your life was because you weren't worried about anything else except what you were doing at the time. Right. And that's you know, that's why we go on vacations. That's why we seek these moments out. These moments are the best when we've dropped the other noise floor and we're just with the person we're with, with right. the people we're with, doing the things we're doing. Right. You know, that's why in my mind, that's why everyone loves the NFL. Wow, that was a leap. Why? No, three hours on Sunday. Oh. It's all you care about. Right. Right? The whole noise floor drops. Right. It's just video games. That's that power, too. Right. The whole noise floor drops, right. and you're just doing that. Right. And well, so, you could say the same thing for a movie. Or a movie. Going to the yep. movies, right? Because yep. it's occupying your mind for that space to be present in that moment. Right. And that's Absolutely. good if you're being distracted on a single item. That's good, like the NFL or, or a video game or a movie. That's fine. But when you can do it on your own, when you can create those moments on your own where you can just shut out things are not necessary in that moment. And that's, and that's why mind structuring, you know, you're being structured in your mind by being dedicated to like meditation. Meditation isn't, isn't about religion. It isn't about being Buddhist. It isn't about being, meditation is being centered in the moment. Yep. Being mindful and being meditative about your life is really about just staying in the here and now and present and, and, you know, it's like you don't have to clear your mind to a blank slate. No. You have to clear your mind in a way that just keeps you present so that when all the intrusive thoughts, all those negative thoughts, all those toxic thoughts or the exposure to not so healthy things comes into your present space, you have the ability to keep them boundaried. And that's what keeps depression and anxiety away or down. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, right? So you have exercise, you have meditation, you have, you know, good nutrition, good sleep, all those pieces, even, you know, just even if you have one of those pieces, it starts you on the right track. But if you can put in that um, meditation or mindfulness of being present, mindfulness is just awareness. Meditation yep. is just being self-aware to stay in the moment. People get into this whole thing about like, I can't concentrate. I can't meditate. It has nothing really to do. It, it does, but it really doesn't. And it gets a bad rap from a lot of people like, I can't do that. I can't think about nothing. Well, that's not it's, the requirement of meditation. It, that's right. Not, but yeah. people think because they, you know, the, when you hear it and it's presented, especially like in your, in culture, it's, well, clear your mind, clear your mind doesn't mean empty it and be, you no. can't clear your mind as in think nothing. We are always thinking something. So that's what, that's one of the things about anxiety. When people come in and say, I'm anxious, I'm going to say, what are you thinking about? They say nothing. And I go, nope, that's not <laughs> true. And they're yeah. like, no, I'm really not thinking about anything. I'm like, no. Nope. Yeah. And one of the first things in the first three or four sessions I work on is let's, let's look at how many things you are thinking about. And by the time we're usually at the end of the first session on that, it's, we've had aha moments of, oh, I didn't realize that that's, because yep. I'll point out like, that's likely creating anxiety. That likely creates anxiety. That thought creates anxiety. And they're like, well, I didn't think of it that way. Right. Because you're thinking as a stream or that um, the run on of sentences in your, in your brain and the looping in your brain. And we all do that. It's a matter of how negative and how soul sucking are they, yep. right? Because, yep. because that's what makes us down or anxious or, you know, get too high and too manic or too excited. They, you know, it's not always in the, in the negative direction. It can also go in the positive direction, which is where like you get people that are so excited and so over the top because they're so over positive that they miss and they get into risky situations because they don't think about being in the here and now and being present. So it can go in the opposite direction too. So and it just here's depends. where you get into that chronic fight or flight. You get into it. 
you get into a physiological state that right. that is just low grade fight or flight right. all the time, 100 percent of the time. I just think another example of great. Well, that's so what happens at sleep time. Yep. yep. Sleep time goes into fight or flight because you're now you're with your thoughts. And when you're sitting with your thoughts and you're laying there and you're looking at the ceiling and you're looking at the clock and you're still thinking, that's the fight or flight moment is that you're sitting there distracting yourself by looking at the ceiling, trying to think of what time it is. Are you going to get up? When are you going to get up? Are you going to miss your alarm? I can't sleep. But in between all those little pieces are, you know, I, how am I going to have enough for retirement? What's going to happen to my yep. kids? What am I going to do tomorrow when I have to take my car in and I don't have to, like it, whatever you are it reading is. A, those you are reading a COVID article at 11 o'clock at night and, you know, you're ad pumping adrenaline and you're upset and you're worried, you know, even now, but certainly back in the day. Right. And that just, how can you sleep after you've just done, after you've just been stimulated to the point where you're afraid for your life? Exactly. Well, yeah. and, and and people have a very hard time putting all that stuff down. So if you already have a diagnosed mental health issue, like depression, anxiety, or something like that, social media or, or reading things about life threatening things or doing or searching for those things is not going to help you do nope. anything positive. Nope. But people seek that out because why it fills their cup up because it's how they know how to fill their cup up because it gets the adrenaline rush. It's what they know. It's what feels good to them in that moment. Even if it's bad, you'll, yeah. you'd rather dance with the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. Right. And unfortunately that that's on so many things. It's just, you know, whether it's a, a addiction, addiction is a great example. It's like, if you're, you know, it's hard to stop something when you know that that's at least, you know, it, it's kind of like, well, let's use eating because eating is so common for, you know, overeating for right. people. You get into an emotional eating space and you're like a binge eater. So you're eating for comfort and then you're in discomfort. But then you know that it's because you're doing what you're doing. You keep looping back around and doing the same thing because you're afraid to let go of the habit because... Right. You don't know what it's going to be like if you let go of the habit or if you're going to fail. Because then you have to put your hands on the wheel. Right. Because then to you have deal to direct what, it and yeah. be actually responsible and accountable for the things that you're doing. Same thing with depression. Same thing with anxiety. Same thing with bipolar. Same thing with, you know, whatever the OCD. Because they're all feelings of being not in control of your own self, mind, body, etc. And so that's we're a society that's trained into not taking that um especially current newer generations and you know i have i have a client that's in his 40s who struggles with people in their 20s that work for him because there's such a that attitude it's like first of all there's a lot of entitlement and that's not in my job description and yeah. it, you know and it kind of feeds into what i was just saying and you were saying about like there's no um accountability and responsibility for like, you know, life is a big circle of a lot of things involved. And when you work or when you're, when you're involved in something you're supposed to be doing that makes your money or makes your life better or whatever, you have to do those things. And sometimes they're not things you want to do. Right. And that goes to speaking towards like mental health issues. Sometimes you don't want to do the things that will make you better because one, they're not what you know, change is hard. Uh, it takes time. And and I, and, you know, I've said this before, all choices and, and all, all things are hard, whether you choose to go down a correct healthy path or whether you choose to go down the not so healthy path that you've been doing, 
they're both hard because when you actively make a decision and a choice to go down the yucky path, that's a hard choice because yeah. you're ending, it's going to end poorly. He's sleeping and he just struck the man. I was just, um, I was just laughing at the way your thought process works. I, who's the, I've, I'm blanking on the name of the actor, the guy in, in Babe. The, oh, uh, uh. anyway, he, he, I read an article yesterday because I saw the headline. I had to figure out what this was all about. He glued himself to a counter at Starbucks. As, oh, I have not heard this. As part of a protest about apparently Starbucks is charging a little bit more for non-dairy milks, like almond milk and stuff oh, like that. Okay. And he's upset because, and the group that was with him is upset because that's destroying the planet because milk is, you know, promoting milk use as opposed to these. And they're racist because it uh, it's discriminating against people who are lactose intolerant and more the higher percentage of lactose intolerant people are minorities. And it's like, and it, this guy got to the point where he glued himself to a counter. He's a star and he glued himself to a counter at Starbucks. How do you work this problem up to that level? Wow. I'm going to have to, no, I mean, no, no, really think about it. Well, yeah, I, I understand. I'm well, it's the first time for me hearing about this one. I'm going to have to do some research on that, yeah. but yeah. How do you work yourself to that? Ooh, that's a lot. Of, and, and, a lot of thought process. In our society, that. a lot of people are getting there so quickly. You know, well, well, it's existential threat, fight or flight. That's bringing because they're charging a few cents more for almond milk as opposed to dairy. And believe me, I'm not a big Starbucks fan, but I think they're innocent on this Starbucks. one. They're, they're doing it because it costs more. Right. That's why they're doing it. Yeah. Well, I, so. Oh, I have so many thoughts about that, but but that's so, so I don't typical know, I don't about that. Know the story, but what I can yeah. say, especially to some of the points that you just made, is the pandemic has made people have more time on their hands to think of these things, mm. yeah, and put a lot more effort into that stuff. Yeah, what's the matter? Do you need to get down? But you mentioned it earlier. The key component here is the ability to put things down, even even for, and this is a muscle that you build like anything else, right? If you can do it at all start doing it and then you get better and better at it and there's a certain point where you shouldn't be wor worrying about covid articles or you know you're sitting at home you've had a good meal you're okay everybody's safe you're with your family why are you dealing with that stuff right just enjoy enjoy that moment but there's nothing people, you can do right now about covid so but, why but are we people are know? not built like that people are needing they, they need something to hang on to, yeah. right? A lot of people, many people just need something to hang on to. And it's usually not the good stuff. It's right. usually, okay, hi, he's trying to get closer. <laughs> um, it's it's usually not the, the positive good stuff. <laughs> Do you see this? I couldn't see what he's doing. But... Oh, he pulled himself up on my shoulder and put his head down like a baby. Oh. I can't help it. He's just so cute. So. <laughs> He is and he's squirming and he's moving around. So and again, I'm not a big him. pocket dog type of guy. He's, he's yes. got me. He's a boy. <laughs> um, so, but I think that people have, <clears throat> excuse me, people have so much time on their hands to think about the negativity and they get caught up in that because it's, you know, the sensationalism of things like, yeah. why is, why is, you know, I mean, I, and I think that a lot of mental health issues, especially like body dysmorphic disorder and eating disorders. And a lot of that stuff is perpetuated by media. We know that through research mm -hmm. too, that, I mean, look at how much negativity comes out in society of like what's based in the reality. He's looking <laughs> at my ear. Yeah. I know you can see that. Yeah. Um, based in the non-reality of looking at 
people on TV or people in magazines and what they really look like. One of the things I show and you, and you could, all my listeners out there should go watch this. It's a famous um, ad campaign that Dove did a while back. This oh, yeah. Deck, yep. Right. Yep. And they did this amazing thing about um, what happens to a model who comes in and is a very, very pretty girl without makeup on. But then what actually ends up at the final product on the billboard? Um, and you can just look up Dove, yep. um, you know, the Dove commercial for whatever, you know, for modeling. It'll pop up. But it's the the central image is that they make her up and they show very quickly all the different things that they do. And then they digitally manufacture moving her eyes to a certain depth and in yeah. space, moving her forehead up, changing her hair color a little bit, putting a little bit more like highlight into the lights and all this. And the next thing you know is she's just a fraction of what she looked like at the beginning of right. who she is and, and doesn't really look like that. But that's what that's what then changes the um, mental space for people to be now thinking about. What does that and, do to her self-worth? I mean, and, yeah. right. Yeah. So when you're not to pick on the Kardashians, but I will, yeah. <clears throat> when you're, when you're thinking about the Kardashians, right. And you're looking at that and people aspire to be like them. There's so much that goes into um, them being like that that has no reality base. Right. Like talk about the ultimate, not rational, not reasonable, not realistic, but people watch for that or the real wives of fill in the blank. Right. Or, you know, and who, who dresses like that? Like yep. go around your normal, like right. everyday place and like, go oh, who dresses like that? Who looks like that? Even wealthy people that, you know, like who dresses like that? Right. Um, but that gives that sense that people get into. And I have clients that actually talk to me about like, I, you know, I have to look this way. Why? Because, wow, yeah. and they'll reference, yeah. well, because this is what I, my goal is. It's an ideal. Well, oftentimes the ideal image leads to these mental health issues like anxiety and depression and feeling bad about oneself because they cannot get to that level because it's not natural. I mean, I've had to point out so many times about all women have cellulite. All, yep. all, it just happens. It's part of what happened. You, and they'll say, but though the star does. And I'm like, no, they're airbrushed. <laughs> yep. But to the point of that, not to, not to get into all these stars and all these things, it's more about the fact that the negative information that comes into the neural pathways in the brain through images and stories and, and bylines and, and what gets perpetuated as being beautiful out in the world or being the right way to be isn't realistic. The reality, you know, from a doctor's perspective is, are you eating clean and nutritiously? Are you feeding your body for the fuel it needs? Are you sleeping and doing it well. Are you moderating alcohol consumption if you're over 21 or whatever, mm -hmm. or 18 in other countries? Are you are you surrounding yourself with positivity and productive productivity and healthy people, or are you in? You know, and I know some people get stuck because they're in families that are not healthy. Yeah. Um, whether it's you know poor sleeper, you have families that don't have any of those things going for right. them. And that leads to anxiety and depression. And, and that's where you feel, I feel a lot of times for kids because they can't get out of situations that they're put in like that because they end up with mental health issues that would normally resolve out if they didn't have a parent or a set of parents doing the things that are perpetuating the problem they can't get out of unless they're well, out of the house. They set a self-image scale that has uh, unrealistic or unreasonable mm -hmm. uh, standards. 
Right. Uh, too, too much on on beauty and self worth. I got. I've got to get a. I've got to get plastic surgery. Right. It's like, well, no, you really don't. You look great, by right. the way. But you know, it's just that sense of self worth. As Joanne said, James Cromwell. So thank you, Joanne. What'd she say? James Cromwell. That was oh, the actor thank that you, I was, Joanne. That I was trying to, yeah. Is it Joanne or Joanna? Joanne. Oh, okay. Well, because yeah. we have Joanna listening okay, sometimes too, so I didn't yeah. know. But but oh, I have to say hi to Joanne. I don't know if she can see, but the dog is here with me. And she, and, <laughs> and by the way, Joanne, he smells amazing. <laughs> he does not smell like he did last week. But think that you go go on Amazon, you start looking at Michael Kors purses, right? And people have to spend eight hundred dollars on a purse to feel good about themselves, mm -hmm. or to feel, you know, the way they want to feel. That's right. just misdirected self-image i mean it's just... well it's misdirected self-image but it's also misdirected self-esteem okay like yeah. right because it's it's the it's the lack of fulfillment in the in the reality base which is your ego right yep. like if someone sees me with a louis vuitton bag which was four thousand dollars versus yeah. a michael kors bag versus a satchel from marshall's that has no name it has a sense of self-worth and now some people don't care like some people like some people have to go you remember when it was <laughs> I always love referencing this. Remember old school flying and going on planes? You had to like, you had to be dressed up. You, had to, oh, yeah. you went to the airport. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like you had to go on, you know, these long six, seven, eight, 10 hour flights. And you're supposed to be, women had to be in heels and skirts and blah, blah, blah. And men had to be in full suits. And now you, everyone goes with like a blanket and a pillow in their pajamas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, that's like a great visual of like how things have changed, which I think is, you know, is okay for it doesn't you don't have to be a show plate in order to have self-esteem or to have that be some you know certainly dressing appropriately you know dress for yep. the job you want dress for the things you have but i mean there's certain who are the times people... where you can just be relaxed and be in the moment because it's not going to be it doesn't make any difference in some of those moments right. it just doesn't but people get so caught up in their image and what other people are going to think which is the point that i was going to get to is that it, people care about what you think and or the committee that doesn't have a name doesn't have a face yeah. but it's this thing in their head of like well what will so and so think and i often will say well who are they well i don't know but someone will you know that's kind of like people say. who clean their house before the cleaners come i don't want the cleaners to see that i'm a disaster that's what i'm asking who's important that has to see you with the louis vuitton bag and why do you care so why do you care four thousand dollars worth about their opinion right because yeah. well and and because that's what <laughs> you got that image Did yeah you see that yep 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 so rocky's just staring at me through the glass uh-huh yep what the he's hell are you talking a, about he's having a good time over there yeah yeah yep. hopefully he doesn't pee on anything yeah well no. um but so sadly it wouldn't be the first time <laughs> that a dog pees in here or a person i don't want to know that pee happened um <clears throat> hey Come here. Oh, God. He knows he's chewing on the foam. Um, good. Whatever. Uh, I don't care. Yeah, that I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's not. But this ability, the ability to um, let that go, even in small doses. I mean, think about another great example of that is you hear a great song on the radio. Right. And you just, that song takes you somewhere. Right. And nothing else matters for that three and a half minutes. Right. And that's a great escape for us. You can create those. You don't need external 
you don't need external things to get there. You can get there. So that's a perfect point around just talking about like depression and anxiety is that people externalize so much mm -hmm. of their lives instead of internalizing and going to find and retrieve good things, which is one of those questions, you know, that gets picked on about therapists will say like, what's something good in your life? And people will say nothing. But that's impossible. Yeah. There's always going to be something good. It's just that we're not trained to think of good things. You know, we're not, come here. We're not trained to think of good things unless yeah. you're actually, you know, a person like me or you that, or other people out there that really think of good things just because we catch ourselves going, oh, that's a bad thing and, and we got to turn it around. And people I know are, it sounds all incense and, and everything and people are going to roll their eyes again, but gratitude lists just get mm -hmm. you into that particular into that picky mind frame where you spend five minutes in a day going, geez, what am I happy about? Well, what am I, I thankful for? And that's why I think like doing the three and I, and I have no problem sharing this technique is three things in the morning that you're looking forward to in the day and three to five things at night that happened that were really good right before you go to bed. Why? Because you're front loading the day with like optimism and you're back loading the day mm -hmm. and shutting it down with stuff. That's going to make it less likely that you're going to ruminate in your head about, all the bad things that happen. People are so focused and this isn't current. This isn't just new. This has been, Oh, sure. This human nature is that we go right to the bad stuff, you know? So if you wake up in the morning and even if you're laying in bed, like three things to look forward to today. Well, that's our instinct, right? Our, right. our primal, our primal survival technique is, is to, to worry about like, what's going to kill us. It's the threat generate. Right. right. Yeah. What's going to kill us? The bear in the back the of the cave. The bear in the back of the cave. I wasn't going to do it. I had to go it. there because you're going to do it. I wasn't going to do it I've because everyone gives me a hard time. His eyes at us. Yeah. Ron hates it, but uh, I wasn't going to do it, but that's, that's who we were raised to be. We are the survivors of the people who always thought there was a bear in the back of the cave. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so I think that if you can, even if you don't even know that frame of reference, if you can just think about, okay, what, what can I do to start the day off with something? And what can I do to end the day off with something that has an impact that's of, of a good, of a good space? Um, I can't, I'm trying, I'm thinking right now in my head, like how many people I've given that technique to that were just like, Oh, I've never done that. And I've, I've heard of it. I've, yeah. I, you know, I know other people do it. You know, there's something to be said for, I mean, Oprah Winfrey made that a big deal. And she, you know, there's a celebrity that makes an impact in that way. And I know a lot of people like her and a lot of people don't. Yeah. Well, a lot of times the reason why people don't like her is because she is so optimistic and she has that image of like doing good things like that because her mindset, yep. I mean, if you look at someone, I mean, what a great example. Someone that came from nothing, was abused, has massive amounts of trauma, has no problem talking about it now, and and actively chose not to have children because she didn't want to raise, she didn't want to have anyone go through anything like that. And she couldn't trust herself enough. I mean, in paraphrasing some of the things I've heard her say yeah. to do that. But she herself has found what is such a wonderful way to change the brain process around depression, anxiety, and, and chemical imbalances and not have to be on medication. Now, yes. Does she have a weight issue? Yep. Because she struggles with that negative ruminating mm -hmm. dialogue all the time. She struggles with, you know, like the lack of gratitude prior to realizing that the more gratitude you have, the easier life becomes, you know, because you're looking at the positive or the productive things of your day. You know, that cliche of just be positive. 
I don't, I don't say that to my clients anymore. And I'm not saying it to their listeners. I'm saying, don't, you don't have to be positive as in like, you know, cheesy and schlocky. You have to be productive. Like Mm -hmm. what three things are you going to do today that are going to make productivity? And if that's as simple as, you know, can you smile and make another person smile today? Can you be friendly all day? Can you be kind and compassionate? Um, The dog is fighting my hand. But you know what? And the realization has to come eventually that, you know, it's not productive is ruminating right. what's not productive is worrying about the negative all day long when you're right. at there at 10 o'clock at night and you're worried about a bill well there's nothing you can do about it right now or you're worried about something that's going to happen tomorrow at work right really probably nothing you can do about it right now just enjoy these couple hours and then go deal with it with a healthier mindset that's going to be productive and that and that's the that that's the whole thing about like what do you have control over right now right versus what you what you don't and and asking yourself that is whatever's happening tomorrow at work or someone calls, you know, this happens, you know, someone will call someone and say, we have to have a meeting tomorrow at work. And then you spend the whole next 24 hours worrying about that's me. That's me. What's what's good. Why, why do they want to talk to me? Is it bad? Is it whatever? It's like there, you, if you, you know, and one, I hate it when people do that to people because it's like, why would you do that to someone? Why can't you just say, Hey, there's nothing wrong. We just need to talk about, you know, see, because what you're doing is you're, you're making people, stress give them a preview yeah give them a little preview and i think that's important okay he's stepping on the keyboard (laughs) um but that that thought process of how to control for your anxiety there as and that's in not just that thought process of i just it's anything is what do you have control over right now nothing if you have no control over you have no way to control for what's coming tomorrow or next week so you have to wait for it to come and you can practice over and over again, all the outcomes in your mind. And 99.9% of the time, the thing that you were worst, the worst case scenario is never going to happen. Right. And you're not going to have to use any of the things you thought in your head that you're going to do or say, or, you know, when people are like, I'm just going to quit or, yep. or yeah. it's like, well, it's usually not going to be that way. So, I mean, obviously sometimes it's going to be something not so good, but by and large, it's not what you're preparing for. And so you're wasting so much of your time. You're dumping so much cortisol out of your pancreas that's you know your stress hormones are going and all that and it's putting so much pressure on your body which makes you not fight or flight and all that and your body's always in the alarm state and we're more and more and more like that and going back to kind of you know worrying about covid and worrying about um nuclear war coming and all these things i mean we're constantly in fight or flight right because we we don't have control over those things and which physiologically is not good for us and Which it, is why I say yeah. to turn off the news and don't watch the news all the time. Yep. And I should do that more often because yep. at the gym, of course, I'm like watching the news all the time. But if you're not good at censoring it out and just kind of going with the flow, people get fed it all the time every day to be in fight or flight. And the news is notorious for doing that. All news stations, right? Because it perpetually, you know. They want you in fight they, or flight. All well, the time. Right. Because it's it's activating to the system. And so, you know, people who leave their, their network of choice on r- looping all day right. with the same news stories over and over again in the background that's that's a lot of negativity because i mean how many news programs do you watch that are ever about like kitties puppy dogs and rainbows (laughs) they're not right and there's some really bad things going on in the world and people get really stressed about that and so that perpetuates a lot of what i see in the mental health world right now is is you know you have your general run-of-the-mill and not making minimizing it but you have your general run-of-the-mill 
depression and anxiety and bipolar and ADHD and OCD and, you know, your autism spectrum disordered people and all those things. You have all that stuff, but it gets perpetuated and enhanced by all this other stuff that wasn't in people's lives before. So the bear in the back of the cave, as we are referencing, the bear in the back of the cave becomes even a bigger bear because it has, it's got more of a loaded deck to it. Yep. It has, it's got bigger paws, bigger claws. Yep. And so people get so fear-based instead of shutting that all down and out to be able to settle at night, you know, instead they're watching it right to the bitter end and it's on while they're sleeping and, or there's something going on. And that, and that goes to poor nutrition, goes to poor sleep, goes to poor yep. health, goes to poor, um, uh, eating habits and increases all the chemicals to go down. Time south. to get Rocky home. Oh, are you telling me to stop my show? I guess I am. Yeah. Oh, did I get any more comments that I can't see? Uh, just the, uh, the cheering section is here. Kate and Abby and Cam and oh, everyone's saying hi. School. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Listening. And uh, Joanne, uh, these folks who, uh, these folks who buy these expensive pocketbooks, put them on the floor in a public restroom. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who said that? Uh, Joanne. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yep. Right? And Amy says, preach. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was a good way, Amy. And Joseph um, just finished us off with Game Face. Great way to start your Wednesday. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, anyway, you guys, so as we go along, think about all the things that you can control and you can't control. And then you'll be probably better off knowing that, you know, if you just stay present in your day, you're more likely going to have less anxiety less feelings of down and blah because you won't feel out of control carve some gain the ability to set it down for a while and not worry about things right. and start small and build that exactly. build that skill it's hugely important yes hugely 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 did i use that all right improper? well so you guys rocky and i are going to be signing off and rocky was so happy to be the rock star of a show for two weeks and he's <laughs> now sleeping <laughs> So he's one up. all that time he's just been up and moving yep. around now he's down for the count so anyway you guys you have a great week and i will see you next week here at your daily game face if you've missed any of my podcasts certainly you know where to go at all your favorite podcast channels thank you